back to Range Anxiety. It's that time again. I'm your host, Martin Donnan, bringing you 30 years of automotive tuning experience in 30 minutes every couple of days, once, twice a week, or as I love to say, whenever I feel like it. And today I feel like it. Today is a big day for the world. Today is election day in the US. And no, I'm not going to sit here and rattle on about politics. I promised you all um, from episode the beginning from the very start that I'd never sit here and prattle on about politics or genders or anything stupid like that. This is about cars. This is all about cars and it can be enjoyed by anyone regardless of who or what or where they vote or even if they vote. We're about cars at Range Anxiety and not just electric ones, but petrol ones, hybrid ones, and even if the great dream ever happens, hydrogen powered vehicles. Hmm. Everyone's given that up by the seams of it, including Mercedes. Uh, Honda, I think, still have the odd prattle with it, but why would you bother? Um, today, we're going to talk about something quite serious because I actually had someone come in and see me that enjoys these Epicasts this week, a guy from a, a TAFE, which is like a, a trade college here in Australia. He dropped in to see me and he said, oh, Martin, you know, I, I just want to come in and say thanks. I listen to all your uh, Epicasts. That is a word, yes, that I made up. It's sort of like episode for a podcast, epicast, watch it, catch on. Um, and, you know, he said, just keep doing it. Keep, you know, uh, the young guys, the mechanics I I train, they sort of scoff about this whole electric car thing. And, you know, but where do they think their future is going to be? Where do they think they're going to be working or what they're working on in the next few years? And, yeah, we both agreed that, you know, like it or not, these younger guys coming up through the trade, have to learn about electric cars, whether they like it or not. Um, but this brings me to a really key point. Today's episode is called OTA. It stands for Over the Air. And Over the Air is a process that describes um, the update facility that manufacturers are going to be taking on for new cars over the next decade. Some cars already have it. What it means is that your car will be a connected device on the internet the whole time. It'll have its own data plan, regardless of who you buy that through. It'll have its own SIM card. It will just be like another phone. And at any time, manufacturers will be able to do software things to your car. Now, at the moment, I know some um, Audi fanboys that, that said to me the other day, one of them in particular, my good friend Sam from Melbourne, he bought a data plan for his new S3 Audi and it allows him to update his Google Maps on his nav. And I'm like, kind of, yeah, like, what? Wow. Um, the reason I say that is because back in 2012, um, Tesla did this and they don't allow you just, or they don't enforce just updates of navigation maps. They can actually change everything about the entire car with a firmware update, just like your iPhone or Android or whatever it is you happen to run. So every single parameter, I think at one stage a Model 3 was criticized for its braking performance. You know, it wasn't up to scratch under some conditions in some road test that some journo that wasn't getting a free lunch wrote. And within a matter of a week or so, there was an over-the-air software update that was forced onto the cars and your braking system improved. Yep, that's right. Now, I discussed this with Sam, and he said to me, there is no way in the world I would ever, because I asked, I said, God, you're Audi, can they reprogram the ECU? And no, 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 that, 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 that that's locked in Audi's. Well, it kind of is and kind of isn't. 
that nothing's locked from the manufacturer, right? Because no, 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 no. No, they don't reprogram the ECU. I'd never buy a car that any of the controls, like the ECU, could be reprogrammed by the manufacturer remotely. And I said, well, why is that? There's oh, too much chance of hacking. Imagine if they got into the safety systems of the car and, you know, found an exploit and wrote code to make the thing crash. I said, hmm, okay. I said, well, the cars I drive every day, they've been doing this for years and no one's really exploited the technology that, well, not effectively in a Tesla to hack it to make it dangerous or anything like that. Um, but he said, you know, yeah, look, there's no way I'd do it. Look at how many crashes I have on autopilot and full self-drive. Well, yeah, those numbers are still well below um, the actual numbers that you get of people crashing that actually drive cars themselves. Most drivers aren't very good, let's face it. How many times do we get cut off on the way to work? How much road rage exists? If all the cars were driving themselves, this wouldn't be so much of a problem. And it's, I mean, we all love driving too because we know how to drive. The majority of people don't. But Sam's point was a valid one because imagine if a bunch of hackers found exploits and could effectively hold your car to ransom. Well, that will happen. And I think it was shown in 2015 via the infotainment OTA update that was done to some sort of Jeep. I think it was a Cherokee. They could beat the horn and remotely trigger the wipers while you were driving a bunch of hackers. So yeah, look, it can be done. This obviously wasn't a malicious hack. It was a hack to show how exploitable these sorts of things can be. And they are, in the hands of general automakers, there will be some pain with OTA updates, right? In, in the hands of a company like Tesla, which is essentially a software company that happen to make cars, they've, all, they've got a much better handle on the, the cyber risk and the security. And, and basically it's a geek company and it's full of software heads. So they're going to do a better job of this than traditional legacy manufacturers are. And they've proven, you know, they've been doing it for coming up 10 years now, and it's been pretty damn seamless. But what does this mean? Why aren't all manufacturers doing this now? A, they don't know how. They're having a lot of trouble with software. Um, and, you know, this is all something new to most manufacturers. Um, and B, it's going to disrupt the model. So what is the model? The model is that when you have a fault with your car, the manufacturer, the last, well, it might be good for the manufacturer, but the last thing the dealer, which is part of the manufacturer model, you have your manufacturers, you have your dealers, you have your customers. The last thing the dealer wants to do is be bypassed and have a tech from a manufacturer log into the car and fix it without you having to visit the dealership. Like I've said before, those shiny big castles that they service cars and sell cars out of do not pay for themselves. You pay for them. And if you had a direct relationship with the manufacturer, they would no longer really be needed, except in the most you know severe cases. Ah, so that's one thing that's going to slow this whole process down. Everyone needs their slice of the action. Everyone needs their bite of the pie and everyone needs to take some of your money. For example, if I have an issue with my screen freezing or something, you know, something randomly going wrong with a Model 3, I lodge an email with service, the service tech comes back to me with a time, they log it or just say leave the car on, make sure data's turned on, they log into the car and they'll fix it and they'll notify me when it's fixed and I can be going about my own work. I don't have to drive anywhere or do anything. So that's pretty darn cool. 
but nobody makes money that way. You see, it doesn't bother a company like Tesla because they don't have a dealership model. There's no such thing as a Tesla dealership that's not owned by the head office, by, by Tesla themselves. So they use what's called the Apple model. Like Apple have Apple stores. Apple sell Apple products. Yeah, XYZ company doesn't automatically get an Apple dealership and be able to sell Apple products. I mean, some do. There is, there is some sort of dealership structure there, but essentially Apple have buttoned down this way of doing business and Tesla were the first car company to go this way. So they've simplified the whole service angle in a non-traditional way. And put quite clearly, and frankly, it scares the shit out of mainstream manufacturers. A, they're not ready to go this way. B, they have too many um, dealers tied up with huge amounts of money with too many contracts in place. It, the whole thing is just a terrible mess for a legacy automaker. So their over-the-air updates are not going to be that great or that strong or coming that fast. I believe they will come. And they will come probably sooner than we think by mid-2020s to late-2020s. There will be ECU reflashing done on an OTA-type basis by manufacturers. It's too hard for them to resist, really. Is it easier to upset a dealer and console them with a bit of a shoulder rub and a pat on the back and save tens to if not hundreds of millions of dollars a year in warranty cost you know than it is to to let the whole thing churn on like it is now it's simply too much of an expensive way of doing business for everyone not to adopt the ota principle where it becomes tricky though is for people like me people that tune cars people that modify cars for a living because at any stage we can get into a tesla and you can rewrite some of the core, some of the code. You can make the things draw more current, you know, more amps, go faster. There are people currently doing that. But at any given time, that is that is if you can get around Tesla's software security, which is pretty, pretty darn impressive. Um, at any given time, Tesla can tell you, oh, there's a new software update available, install to your car. And it will simply write over the top of what you'll just paid good money for. Hmm, difficult, huh? There is a company uh, called Ingenext uh, uh, in the US, I think they're in Canada actually, and they have a thing called Ghost Mode for Teslas, which is a piece of software that, a that one of their dealers can install on your Tesla. Obviously, you will lose all warranty um, if Tesla detect it there, and you can bet your bottom dollar that they are doing everything they can to write some hooks in their software that'll detect when anything's been touched or changed, changed, uh, in, you know, to try and combat this. this is, all manufacturers do this, not just Tesla. Every ECU manufacturer now tries to lock the ECUs and every hacker out there gets around the locks. It's, you know, it's the old cat and mouse game of tuning fuel-injected cars, computer-controlled cars. It's been going on for many, many years. So with the, with the ghost mode that you can buy for a Tesla, you pay to have it installed and it will take your long-range or will drive up to the same performance level as a performance, allegedly. Some of the tests that are online show that, yes, they are fast, and they do 0 to 60 in 3.2. Um, but you have to go back to your installer and have the software removed before you do a new firmware update. You do a new firmware update, then they can put the ghost mode back in for you. Problem is, if this was only once a year or twice a year, like when you take your vehicle in, 
for a service at your legacy dealer, it probably wouldn't be so bad. But as I count, I reckon I've had 20 software updates in 2020 so far. 20 times you would have to go back and have this removed and put back in and removed and put back in and da 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 So the game of cat and mouse would become a very tiring one if you owned a Model 3 and you wanted to do this. And then what about just not updating the car? Well, if you don't update the car's firmware from time to time, you don't get a lot of cool shit. Like um, your autopilot, self-drive doesn't improve, your all sorts of things, glove box pin codes and a battery efficiency and all of these cool things that keep getting rolled out that make these cars better and better by the day and by the week, you won't have. And then when Tesla sees your car isn't updated, and don't worry, it's not just Tesla, other manufacturers will do this. When they see your car isn't updated for a long period of time and you're a few versions behind, they'll send you a message saying that, They'll switch, they'll switch off your, your over-the-air updates if, if you're not going to update the thing. And you'll lose stuff like the ability to fast supercharge and you know a whole heap of other potential things. So the last thing you want to do is not update your software. And, you know, it, it's something you look forward to. Like, it's an early Christmas for some of us Tesla nerds. Oh, what have I got today? Oh, we got new features. Wowee. Um, but every time they'll overwrite your changes to your software if you're smart enough to be able to get them in there so it's a real catch 22 and the cat and mouse and then tesla have gone one step further the sneaky buggers they are they've gone one step further here and gone well you know why spend a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars on a performance upgrade for your vehicle that you know we're going to can your warranty if we find it and we're going to you know disable all sorts of shit in your car if you don't want to play ball with us why don't you just buy it from us that's right, Tesla are in the business of selling performance tunes that you can just buy off your Tesla account and put in your car. Just download it straight into your car from your phone, takes 20 minutes and your car says bang, update complete, you've now got an extra 0.6 off your 0 to 100, you know, you can go this much faster, da 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 da, um, that'll be $2,000 thanks. So you can pay Tesla instead of paying aftermarket a thousand to fifteen hundred. You can pay Tesla two thousand. You get to retain your warranty. You get to retain all your car's features, and they've just sold you a performance tune. So they're going into the business that we are in already, which is provides or presents some interesting technical challenges to aftermarket businesses such as the one I run that wants to be involved in modifying cars in the future. Start forgetting about software because it's out. That's right, it's gonna go sooner rather than later. And other manufacturers will do this. Imagine if they could force an ECU update on your car to make sure that it wasn't modified. How many bodgy warranty claims would they be able to avoid if people went, you know, flashing their cars back to stock and, and taking it in and saying, oh, it's melted, you know, piston five, it's got no compression fix it for me, it's under warranty, I've got seven years. Imagine how much money they could save if people weren't doing this. And, you know, rather than having to go through all special dealer checksumming tech features and looking for computers to see if they've been modified and sending them overseas or to, to head office to have code read out of them and compared to stock, if they could just get away with, hey man, you need an update every couple of weeks, they could just get away with that their life would be so much simpler and they would save so much money 
that you can guarantee it's coming to your future real, real soon. So if that's the case, and like I say, I keep saying it will be the case, if that's the case, how do people like us modify cars in the future? Well, there will be quite a bit of a comeback, I believe, for plug and play type systems, interceptors, devices that sit online, in line with the CAN bus of the car and can insert data and packets of data into the vehicle's comm stream and do it invisibly so that you can actually get a real update and a real performance gain without it affecting the actual ECU coding itself. So then you'll have to unplug the you know harness loom, patch loom or whatever, put the car back to standard before it goes in for service. That's one way of doing it. Um, the other way of doing it obviously is software in and out, software in and out, software in and out, which is a pain in the backside. Um, the bottom line is it is going to get a whole lot more complex and we've got to be ready for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm preparing the business I run, DTEC EV, to be ready for this by coming up with a bunch of devices that sit externally to the ECU itself that will provide increased endurance, greater power. And, you know, this is our model that we have adopted for the future. So consider this. The tuner cars, as they're called, tuner cars, this is what they are going to be called, in my opinion, are going to be up to 2024 models. You know, your Audi RS3s, your Mercedes, your tuner cars. And these are going to be the ones that are going to be worth the money in the long run because as cars become more and more like white goods, they become less, you know, emotional and adorable to own. And, and these cars will always hold a special place in our automotive history they'll be known as the last of the hackable cars and these ones will be the ones that make the big power and for a gap of about three or four years up until about 2030 we will be under the control of manufacturers and performance gains from companies like mine will still be there but they'll be smaller than we've been well possibly than we've been used to in the past but by about 2000, I mean, I've seen this shit over the years. I remember when the Mitsubishi Cordia Turbo came out, people were crying and screaming because cars were unmodifiable now that they had this thing called fuel injection on them and it was the end. You can't put a big carby on them anymore, you know? Like, thank God, who wants to do that rubbish anyway? Um, so yeah, by about 2030, I think it'll be game on again and there'll be ways around all of this that will be really 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 cool and provide great great gains in the background there you can hear a bmw z4 running flat out on the dyno it is only a two liter turbo thing but it's going to be considered one of the last great tuner cars go well maybe not great tuner cars but a tuner car so go figure um, yeah, 2030, we'll be back online again, and there'll be some crazy modifications, the, the equivalent of twin turbocharging EVs. There'll be all sorts of crazy things by then. There'll even be a battery equivalent of a jerry can you can carry in your boot and plug in. I'm sure of it, you know, like a fuel tin to my American listeners, because we just evolve, we adapt. Humans are, are wonderful things like that, and our technology and our software skills are such that while our car's driving us to work, uh, you know, and we've got time to think, we'll be sitting back thinking about what can we do to make things faster, make things better. But 
also calls when we go to the track. We can turn all this autopilot stuff off and put the car in track mode and actually have a fun day at the track. Yes, cars always get better. They scare the shit out of some people that don't have the ability to think laterally. That's the biggest problem. You know, I have arguments online all the time. People pick on me. I'd never drive an EV, they're shit. I said, well, why is that? How many have you driven? Oh, none. How many have you been in? Oh, none. So how do you know they're shit? Well, they're just shit. Well, there you go. You know, people will always be narrow-minded. And that's why some people like one brand of car over another brand of car, regardless of tech specs, regardless of anything, regardless of how they drive, regardless of how they look. It's just one-eyed stuff that humans do. You know, it's part of our mindset and our thought culture. And, you know, I'm not like that. I'll look at anything and any car anyway and go, you know, I like that or I don't like that. And But I won't form an opinion until I've actually driven them and have some idea of what I'm talking about. You like the way I said some idea of what I'm talking about? Well, that kind of finishes off over-the-air updates for today. They are coming. They are going to be part of your life. And you're going to have to suck it up, big boy, because you're going to be part of it. Yep, it's coming. Now, we got some really great feedback. Remember, y'all, you have to send me feedback to dtech, D-T-E-C-H, at S-E-N-E-T, S-E-N-E-T, dot com, dot A-U. Send me your feedback. We got some fantastic feedback on The Lion King and my friend Paul Howzon. He's a great talker, isn't he? Fantastic voice, fantastic speaker, and just a real natural. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Rogan picked him up, he's that good. Well, maybe not, Paul. But I've issued him a challenge. He wants to do this again. And this time, we're not going to talk about Holden so much. There will be some talk of Holden's, because he just can't help himself. And who doesn't like hearing about a good Holden? No, this time we're going a bit different. I've given Paul a challenge. I said, if you want to come back on the show, on the Epicast, and you want to talk to me, you're going to write down five of the most embarrassing stuff-ups that you've seen me make over the years, and you've got to grill me about them. More to the point, though, you're not to let me know what they are till we're sitting there talking about it. So, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get roasted by Paul Howson. Oh, that's a terrible thought, isn't it? I imagine the T-shirt. I got, I got roasted by Big Paul. Yeah, maybe not. But Paul's going to put it to me. He's going to ask me some stuff that no one's ever asked, and I'm going to have to tell you, like, the honest, shocking truth of things that have happened, things that have gone on, and you can bet, with Big Paul involved, it's going to be bloody funny. If you have a question that you think Paul should be asking me, then please email it through. I'll consider any questions there are. Now, back to my US friends. Please make sure that, even though I'm not political in any way, that you all vote for Trump in Texas because I don't want Elon Musk to have to move out of another Democrat state because that will put my cyber truck behind even further. And I cannot have that. And I know, Bill, cyber truck's not real. Cyber truck's not coming to Australia. Bullshit, bullshit, and bullshit. I do happen to know a guy, yes, John Munro, I'm talking about you, that imports American trucks. So if I cannot get a cyber truck in Australia, we will compliance one and do a conversion on it here. Either way, like it or not, I am having a cyber truck and it is going to be cooler than cat shit. It'll be the best thing ever. So thank you for tuning in, listening to Range Anxiety, and I hope to hear you all again real soon.